Our passion didn't start with the mouth. It started with people, with the well-being of the profession. And if you're like me, maybe a little bit of your nerdiness in all things tech too. We all want to love what we do, but the truth is burnout, people problems, and glass ceilings can keep us from doing what we set out to do. So let's get back to the heart of connection. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. This show is about passing you the knowledge, the habits, the systems, and the strategies to lead your teams, lean on the tech, and listen to your gut while you take care of teeth. And let's get honest, the overall health of our communities. Let's stop using the wrong end of the toothbrush, y'all. My name is Dr. Kelly Tanner. Oh, and uniquely, I'm a dental hygienist, too. You can consider me a guru in the dental and leadership industry. With over three decades of experience, my goal is to take you to the next level by empowering growth, perspective, and confidence. By identifying the gaps, recognizing the plaque, and extracting the truth with other experts in the field. I'll share their stories, empower you to own yours, and elevate your passion in the process. So have a seat in the chair, put on your bib, and let's get to work. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, depending on where you are joining us. Thank you for being with us here today. I am Dr. Kelly Tanner, and today I have the delight of having the Dr. Brian Laskin with me. I don't know how many of you all have met Brian. I refer to him as the Steve Jobs of dentistry because he's so brilliant that I just want to like plug a, a tethered cord from his brain and just download everything that Brian knows. So Brian, thank you so much for being on being on our podcast today. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you definitely do not want to download whatever's in my brain. That's, that's <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but thanks for having me on. Yeah. I've been fine. You know, and I just, first of all, I've just mentioned, I just love the name of your podcast. I think the dental handoff is probably one of the most underrated aspects of uh, team coordination. So it's, I'm excited to be here. Thanks. Thank you. I had a lot of fun coming up with that because it's all about those unsaid communications and those. So it's, for instance, when you go to a restaurant and someone knows to fill your water or get you an extra chair at the table, same thing happens in dentistry. It's all those unspoken things that we're doing to elevate that patient experience. And so I took that concept. Thanks for bringing that up. And I, I took it to heart. And I said, okay, how can we upgrade what it is that we're doing in the practices, those unspoken things, and to give those patients that next level experience. And speaking of experience, Brian, would you like to tell our audience a little bit about where you started in dentistry, um, when you got out of jail? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> when you started in dentistry, um, your why behind what you do every day? Uh, the why behind what I do, that's, that's, yeah, that's, so I've had kind of an unusual career where I got into dentistry for just not the wrong reasons, but for reasons that made no sense. A uh, few did. So I definitely wanted to be in healthcare where I directly improve people's lives every day. I knew that. So healthcare was kind of the, I knew I wanted to be in some aspect of healthcare and I love working with my hands. So I, you know, so I wanted to be either a surgeon or some type of hands-on clinician. Uh, and I have family members that are cardiologists that I went on rounds with. And after, after college and realized quickly, I didn't want to be a physician. So every dentist I met was like the most calm person. And I thought, oh, it must be a calming profession. And I'm kind of a spaz. So I was like, oh, it'll calm me down. 
little did I know that it's a stressful profession and uh, it's not the reason why there's calm people in the profession is because it's, it's, they can handle the stressors of, of the day-to-day -day dental practice. Uh, but I mean, I, I love, I love dentistry. I love the, that you do directly. Everybody in dentistry is directly improving people's lives every day. Uh, over the course of my career early on, I'm, I'm kind of a nerd. Uh, so I got into CAD cam and CT imaging early on, and then I've become sort of a serial entrepreneur. I'm part of several different technology companies in dentistry. And that's really where I've landed now, right? Where I like developing solutions to help dental practices, dental teams improve improve what they do. Very much aligned with kind of what, what you were, you know, the, the intro to the uh, dental handoff. Uh, our, my practices, um, you know, our, our, our purpose was to improve lives through technology and teamwork. And, and that's really kind of what, what we, we lean into now and probably more into the technology that enables the teamwork. But, uh, but certainly that's, 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 that's my why is really to create solutions that other people can't or won't that improve people's lives in dentistry from dentists, practice owners, team members, and patients all the way down. So not, did on, not only did you identify the gap and where it was to say, ah, that's something that we need. You said, I'm going to develop a solution for it. And you've done that. But, but first, before we go there, you said that you thought it was going to be a very calming profession. And that was a surprise to you. So what else would you say was maybe your second surprise? Like, what were you not prepared for when you became a dentist? And it was what you probably uncovered that you said, man, I wasn't ready for that. Well, uh, I mean, it sounds like I'm like I'm leaning into to, to your work, uh, but it's true. I think in dental school, everybody talks about how you're not prepared to run a business. And so which may or may not be true. I, you know, I, I think that there, there's some truth to that. But frankly, I think most business owners aren't prepared to run a business. It's not exclusive to dentistry. But I was thinking of like P&Ls and marketing and like what other people think of when it comes to business. But in reality, what I was sort of shocked by was the amount of leadership and management that is required to run a dental practice. Or even if you're an associate in dental practice, I think you do need to know how to uh, lead or manage or both of a team and how those are two very separate skills. And so those are, um, I think, underrepresented in dentistry. Uh, I think that everybody by definition who's a dentist uh, and probably even a high, you know, and I shouldn't say even hygienists, everybody in the practice does for the most part need to have some leadership management skills that I was completely, that I didn't realize that when I got into practice, but it was pretty, it comes pretty evident pretty quickly if you, uh, if you have your eyes and ears open. Yeah, it's a lot about the people and you can do the tasks and you do the work and you know how to do that very well and you get better at that. But then there's the people issues that come along with that. So what was kind of like your first learning opportunity? A lot of what we talk about here is about uh, empowering the teams and giving nuggets of, of, of 
things that you've gleaned and you said, no, I wish somebody would have told me that. So what was a point or an example of something that you had to overcome with your team or yourself or some belief systems that helped you be better at practice management and a better business owner and team member? Well, one of my superpowers, I think, is my neuroses. So I, I don't have, I, 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 uh, I lean into my, my lack of knowledge quite heavily. Let me put it that way. And so early on, when I bought my first practice, the very first thing I did was hire a consultant. And so I've always had coaches, mentors, and consultants through my entire career. And uh, I think I hired them initially out of, like I said, my, my complete lack of confidence. And then over time, uh, I've leaned into them to help kind of help myself help strengthen areas where I where I think that that where I can grow. And, and the value in that has been uh, has been one of my the happier surprises of my career. I thought it's more than more than just growing aspects of our weaknesses in the practice, it's kind of helps you grow to be a better leader, better, better, uh, better person, you know, all the way around. And so I think, I think really the value of coaches and mentors and consultants that I've worked with, and I've worked with scores over, over the, the, my 20 year career um, has been a happy surprise. Yeah. And so we talk a lot. Thank you for sharing that. And in dentistry, we talk a lot about measuring KPIs and looking at, different things that you're measuring, you know, is everyone performing? And there's a number and all great measures of success, benchmarks, standards, you have to have those. But I think where we could do better and where there's a huge opportunity is how to get that, that people part of it to make sure that they're empowered and they're communicating effectively to be able to be behind that process, to be able to ask the question, to drive that process and it not being told to them, but it's their idea and they take ownership of it. And then as an owner, you know, how do you do that, Brian? Like, what is your, what is your secret sauce for having people take ownership in your practice? Great, great question. Uh, for me, I find that people are attracted to bold ideas. And so we don't play small, we play large. We're not looking to, you know, increase the number of profies we do 2%. Nobody cares. Like, you know, we're looking to transform people's lives. Uh, and the bigger we play, the better. I think key, and also being, that's a big question you asked. So I could, I could talk for a while about that. But I think having the, uh, you know, I was talking with somebody the other day and we were talking about consultants. And I, you know, I think that there's some consultants that kind of like a coach would be good at an eighth grade level. And then there's the, you know, the guy who just, I can't, I'm not a sports fan, but the, the youngest uh, coach of all time that just won the Super Bowl, right? Right. That, those coaches, if you swap places, they would not be good on the other team, right? If, if you take the guy that was the, co the head coach of the LA Rams and ha he's coaching a, an eighth grade team right now, that probably wouldn't go well, right? And the other way around. For me and my teams, we're looking to win the Super Bowl, right? And so that is the, the level that we want to play at. And we, we need to have the conviction to have assemble the, the NFL team that's going to win the Super Bowl, right? If you are like, well, you know, that I don't, wide receiver uh, is I, he, not the best, but I kind of like him as a person, you know, and so I'm going to keep him on my team for the next 10 years. Well, that doesn't happen 
at the Super Bowl level, right? And that's how I look to look at our teams and what we're looking to accomplish. And when you do that, you attract the people that want to win the big games that wanted. And so you have to set for me, my secret sauce is being able to cl clearly see and articulate a broad vision where we are going to, to do things that are extraordinary. Um, and that's kind of how I like to play, but I think it can be at, you know, that, that eighth grade coach should also have some type of a vision of what they want to accomplish. It's going to be a different goal than winning the Super Bowl. But I think having a clear vision, being able to articulate that vision, and having the conviction to keep people on the team or, or off the team who, if, if they are part of that vision. And that comes down to core values and a bunch of other things. But having a clear vision of where you want to go, I think, is important. And I think it's missing in some dental practices because they think that our goal is just is is not is is just to take people's care of people's oral health but that can mean so many different things it can be like we're in, we're going to go beyond cleaning to ma major restorative work we want to go into improving people's aesthetic smiles we want to do complete health dentistry and bring in medical it can be whatever you want it to be but if you don't have a destination, if you don't know where you're going, it's going to be hard to recruit people and align them on a goal. That's that's a long answer to your question, but it was a bit of a big No, one. and I, I love what you said there because you said a lot of different things, which is part of your secret sauce. So it's it's about the goals that you're setting as an office, your mission, your vision, your core values as a team. And then I, I think, too, that when you do that and you're clear on that, you start to attract that into your practice and it's branding your practice, not just for the patients, but then also for the folks who are looking to work for the Super Bowl dental office, that, that one who wants to be part of that high performance standard and to be able to grow. And I think it takes a certain type of individual to for you, for them. And they say, man, I cannot wait to work with Dr. Brian Lance. I cannot believe you got a job there. That's, that's I think, what every office wants. So it, it sounds like you're describing very much that culture of, of, of embracing that. And then also, too, I think what's important about being a leader, and we were talking about in, in this in class this week, it was the um, situational leadership, where that leader has to be able to know where to intersect based on the situation, based on the organization's goals, and sometimes step back to where that person is with their layer of readiness to say, are they, did I prepare them enough to go there? Even though they believe it, you know, how much preparedness do they have and are they demonstrating that? So that level of awareness as well, that self-awareness, that leadership awareness from the team members is, is vitally important. So thank you for sharing that. And I wanted to thank you for sending me your book, The Patient First Manifesto, which you know, you think it was a quick read and it is, but there's so much gold in this. I sat on the beach in Siesta Key uh, while I was going to a wedding this past year. And I was just like, oh my gosh, Brian Laskin and I think exactly the same. And so that's why I need the cord to download some of this. And one of some of the things, so I did highlight, you know, I was a nerd. Hygienists have a bunch of highlighters always in their purse, in their car. They just do. This is what we do. But I love how you go through your limiting beliefs. This is a big thing that I sing when I'm coaching, consulting. People get so stuck in their fixed mindset that you are 
whether you believe you are, or you aren't, that's true, right? Henry Ford said that whatever it is, it isn't, that's true for you. So it comes down to what you believe and the laws that you've said are to be true about yourself and your life. And it's, you have a, you have a quote by Bruce Lee, which I giggled at, but at the end of your book, the thing that I dog eared, it says, I would ask you to look closely at your practice and ask yourself the question, what have I done today that will allow me to do what I want to do for the rest of my life? And that spoke to me. And I think that, you know, with what we're experiencing in dentistry and a lot of other industries as well with the, with folks shifting around and just kind of being reshuffled into different offices is that if that office and that culture answers your calling to your why, people are going to be more likely to stay. So you talk about in your book how to successfully also implement new initiatives. And you go through some points about how to, how to take something new, how to take a big idea and bring it in and to have people surround it and to say, heck yeah, man, this is the best thing ever, those big ideas. So can you talk us through, not in detail, but just kind of a broad stroke, what some of those um, new initiatives would be to implement success? Like the first one is define success. What does success look like? Yeah, and I, I, sh I should mention on the asset, the reason why I've come to these conclusions is by doing it completely wrong many, many times, right? So I think that, you know, one of our core values is success or learning. And so, so I don't look at failure as failure. I look at it as a way to learn. And so I've just like every dentist tried to implement things that have failed. And then, but maybe what's different is that we've looked back and said, what went wrong? What were the breakdowns? And over the years, I've built these systems that have helped increase our probability of success. And when it comes to implementing ideas, it's really just how do you make a change in your practice? And there's some things that just, makes sense. Number one, like you said, is to define what success looks like. How do we know that we've won? Like, how do we know that we've achieved what we want to do? That's huge. I think one of the biggest things that you can do that is missing in a lot of dental practices is assign one person who's responsible. And so I think if nobody else, you know, like nothing, people don't learn anything else coming out of this, everything that you do, every change you make, put one person in charge of it. That means that they don't have to do everything but I call it the neck, whose neck is on the line that is going to make sure that we that we achieve our success. Because if you have two people that are responsible, they just say, oh, well, they were supposed to that, or you know, it just doesn't happen. And we see experiences across the board, like, you know, it wasn't the computer company, it was the cable company, or they point back and forth. And that's happening in practices all day long. If you get in a room and you say, we're going to implement this new handoff, right? Uh, and uh, and everybody's just supposed to do it, it's, it's probably going to go back to the way it was yesterday, tomorrow, right? Uh, however, if you say, Joe, you know, you are responsible for this becoming, this is what success looks like. And by the way, you are responsible for making this happen. Or even better, who would like to be responsible? And then Joe raises his hand and you say, hey, Joe, what do you think success would look like, right? And then they take ownership of the initiative and then they're off to a great start. Um, those are a few, you know, pieces, I think. But th th those are the big ones that I see that are missing in practices. Uh, and we don't, you know, 
The other, the, another big one, sorry, I'll give you another, after saying that that's what they are. What I see is dental practices trying things. Like, well, I don't know, we'll, we'll test it out. And testing something out to the team means we're not sure that this is going to work. So let's do an experiment. And by the way, most people don't want to change. So they, they don't want things to work. So then if you don't assign anybody for being responsible and you don't commit to it, it's going to fail. Right. And, and so, so basically saying, you know, this is what we're going to do. That person is responsible. This is what success looks like. Let's go. And then typically what I hear is people, then the, the objections come out, like, why are we doing this? And usually the objections are the edge cases, right? They're the exceptions, not the rule, right? Well, I don't know if we should incorporate a CAD cam scanning because what if there's bleeding? Great. You know, th yes, that is something we will have to manage, right? But rather than thinking of the opportunities, most people look at the problems, right? And so I think as a leader who's going to be incorporating change, uh, recognizing the exceptions for being exceptions and that usually those exceptions are minimized over, you know, they're, 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 they're much, they're much, they seem much bigger when you're implementing things, something that on, that on the back end. So that's, uh, you know, but we have a 10, uh, a 10 checklist item for um, how to implement any procedure in the book, as you know. And, uh, and I think it's really just having a system of when we do, when we, when we incorporate a change, this is how we do it. And then on the back end, tracking, tracking the success to make sure you're achieving the results that, that, that you defined on the front end. For sure. Yes. Yeah. Systems and processes, what you're also describing. It's the buy-in, it's the systems that's serving that why. And to your point as well, when you first start to bring up a concept of like putting CAD CAM, something in the practice that people are having objections or questions about, I think it's great for everyone to hear those because it, if one person has the question, I've learned by teaching for so many years, I'm sure you have too more people have the question and it helps people. I always find to get back to their why, you know, why are we really here? If we know that this fill in the blank is the standard of care for what it is we're doing, then this is what we're dedicated to. Let sometimes it's that fear base too, that people are scared to put their hands on something, scared to mess it up, scared that somebody's going to laugh at them or that the patient's going to know that they know they're not, they don't know what they're doing. Right. <laughs> and the patients don't know, and, unless you say oops or, or something, but it's instilling that confidence. I think getting to their why addressing why it's such an integral part of that practice and you know, the why behind the initiative and then creating systems behind that and also feedback mechanisms. So you can, so it can be truly a learning organization, meaning that, if someone's having a problem with it or if someone has an issue or a small thing that's going to that's going to take a lot of a lot of time to impact efficiency what does that look like and does your accountability system kind of measure that too like okay they're taking 10 minutes to do this it should really take four what are the what's the how do we overcome this and for people to talk about it with that open with that um, open mindset to say you know what i don't know how to do it right now but i'm going to not yet but I, I'm going to. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what you said is key. And I think that uh, 
it gets minimized because it gets people sort of buzzword like what's your why but i mean i take at least one day a quarter by myself to think about what i intently want to do because if you really get to the core of what you're looking and why you're doing it then everything else is noise right so if you for example let's say you're looking the example we gave before you're looking at incorporating cad cam and then you're thinking about like why do you want to do that do you want to have elevated care? Do you want to increase production? If you do want to have elevated care, why? Right? What's the purpose of it behind? Like, what's the core issue you're trying to address? And then when things come up, like your lab guy calls and says, you're not sending, you know, the, that, that you go fishing with, like, oh, you're not sending me as many cases. Well, my, my why, my purpose is more important than my fishing buddy, right? Those things happen all the time and where people are are they're acting out of the self they're acting uh, unknowingly against what their purpose is because they haven't truly defined their why their purpose and so i would for the audience i would that is not an inconsequential thing and it's not easy it requires a lot of introspection and thought to really get to the core of it so that and the purpose of getting the core is like a North Star. Then you know exactly when things come up, you know, ex they're, they're, those are just distractions, right? I, I love what you said there. And one of the, I see we're so much alike, Dr. Laskin, is that I, I told myself this year as part of the introspection, because big part a big part of growing in anything that we do, leadership, getting better at anything is that reflective nature. You have to look back so you can look forward. And I made a commitment to myself to go on a personal retreat every quarter this year to, to just gain that clarity, to make sure I could see that North star bright. And am I doing what I intended to do and to keep that level of clarification where I am? So that's, that is brilliant advice because it, you unplug, that's your focus. It's you, it's what your intentions are. You set out your intentions and everything else. And you, do you agree that you start to attract what you're, what you're intending to attract as well once you do that? To a scary degree. Like that's, that, uh, honestly, I think that is why I now, so I start, like I used to do a retreat a year. Now I do it every, then I did it every quarter. Now one day a week, I have, I call it weekend Wednesday. Weekend Wednesday is about, kind of re refocusing be, for me because it's comes to be so quickly that I need to really be careful about what I'm being intentful about because oftentimes I get it. And I'm like, well, that's not what I thought it was going to be. Right. So, so, uh, so that's really, for me, that's been a, a, a key part of it is really knowing exactly what you want to go after because when you're clear about it, you can get it so fast that you, the, the, in my experience, you have to really, the problem is that sometimes I want the wrong thing. So, you know, I don't really, I'm not really at the core. So for me, it's, it really comes down to like, do I want to have, you know, a bigger practice? And then you get there and you're like, I don't, this is not what I wanted it to be. Or, you know, more practices. I went down that road and that's not what I want it to be. And so, so really, really leaning into for me, what is the purpose? What, what am I going after is, is it's become the most important aspect because once I figure it out, I have no doubt that it's going to happen. Right. Yeah. Because what happens in that time and that time that you grow is you start to have a different vibration and you start to talk to different people who you connect with on a different level. And it, it, then those things you talk about what you're doing and then it automatically shows up. You're like, Whoa, okay. I need to think about just a little bit more. I wasn't quite ready for that yesterday. 
laughed when I thought about it yesterday. It happened today, but it happens just like that. So thank you. Thank you for validating everything that, you know, that I've felt and that folks who do the same thing feel, but be careful what your thoughts thoughts are because they do become your truth. Yeah. And I, I think that a lot of, you know, I'm kind of like, I'm a scientist, right? And, and so it sounds very woo-woo-y, but I think what I've come to realize is that there's a lot of, it's like our subconscious is very strong, right? And and we have a very strong filter as humans to process out information to, you know, if you drive down, if you think you're like, this is the way I think about it. If you're going to buy a Jeep, right? You're just thinking about Jeeps. When you drive down the road, all you see are Jeeps everywhere, Right. We, there's no more Jeeps than there were the, the week before, but now that you're looking to buy one, you see them everywhere, right? And uh, it's because we have that filter that just filters for what we're looking for. And so uh, I don't think it's a, like, it's not an abstract concept. It's it's definitely based in reality that, that when we really are looking at something, that's what we look and what we attract, like you're saying, and uh, where our attention goes, that's where energy goes. And then, then we either... But then you really have to know exactly where you're going, right? And and uh, and and then know that that's the destination that you want to head to. Yeah, and all that is called com- confirmation bias—that you're looking for something that supports what you believe. Too. That's why you start to see the jeeps <laughs> and whatever yep. car you're like, I don't want that now. Everybody's got one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or I thought I wanted that color, but now I'm rethinking it. Well, thank you for sharing this information. Um, it's been informative on so many different levels from a philosophical level, scientific practice management. Thank you for sharing your story. And can you share a little bit about how people can get in touch with you? Cause you're working on some amazing initiatives. I know that are launching tomorrow. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. We have a, a workshop series through, through our educational platform, upgrade dental. You can just go to upgradedental.com. And uh, I'm launching a 16-week modular series called The Insanely Productive Dentist, which is split into four categories, The Insanely Productive Dentist, The Insanely Productive Operatory, The Insanely Productive Office, and then The Insanely Productive Team. And so everything from kind of what we're talking about now, leadership and management, but then also really practical things like how to prep teeth in less than two minutes, probably at a much higher level than you are today by systematizing your entire practice. So I go through systems that I've used for 20 years to be insanely productive. And then also uh, how to run, uh, you know, that Super Bowl winning team, um, kind of everything from running meetings and what types of meetings there are. Cause I think that for most people, meetings are a waste of time and they should be the most productive time you have, right? And even even to the point where, you know, I talked about week on Wednesday in my course and how the power of uh, having thinking time to set your goals. Uh, and so if you want to learn more, just go to UpgradeDental.com. Oh, I lost your sound. Oh, yeah, that's because I was muted. And then also... T- <laughs> Um, also too, he has, he has this amazing book that's packed with information, the patient first manifesto. And I wish we had more time because I want to ask you so many more questions. So maybe we'll have you back. I want to talk about technology and how are you using that to impact patients and their experience and giving that next level Super Bowl. And I want to know too, if you also teach about how to do a great halftime show. Uh, much, I'd be much better teaching about the halftime show. (laughs) 
<laughs> actual playing football. That would be, I would be I would be horrible about teaching sports to anybody. You've done great talking about football. I'm really proud of you. Well, thanks. Yeah, I'm I'm like one of those people that is horrible at sports, but I love sports analogies. That's that's where that's where I like to play. until they go wrong, right? And yep. then you're like, that's not me. That's not what I meant. <laughs> Well, thank you, Dr. Laskin. And we'll put, thank you all for attending live here for the audience who popped on. I'll also put some show notes in the description so you'll know how to find Dr. Laskin. Thank you all for coming on with us today. Thank you very much.